Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. It's a Friday afternoon in April 2021 and a press pack has gathered outside the district court in Sydney, waiting for two families to emerge from inside. Parents from the Abdullah and Saker families. It's been just over a year since their lives were turned upside down. My heart's beating so fast. <laughs> um, first, I'd like to thank God for giving us the strength to be standing here today at the courts and to have lasted this whole year and have done what we've done. And I hope and pray that no one has to go through what we have, have had to go through. There are no winners from today's outcome, only losers. Hug your kids tight and love them unconditionally as you don't know where life takes you. I'm Narelda Jacobs, today on 10 News First Person, a story about forgiveness that is nearly impossible to comprehend. It's about a callous crime, young lives lost, and the strength of a family and their faith that asks the question, how do you forgive the unforgivable? Kimberly Pratt with this story. It starts at a family barbecue. It's a balmy evening in February 2020 and that large extended family were together at one of their homes in Oatlands in Sydney's west to celebrate a birthday. They're a huge Aussie Lebanese family and there were lots of kids running around. Six of them were from the Abdallah family. At 13, Anthony was oldest. Hello. You're so handsome. Stop it. Are you handsome? Yeah, of course. But the guy's doing my hair so bad. Like, it's the worst. What a head. Then Angelina, who is 12. That we may continue together to follow Christ's teaching in our world and share this message of love and compassion with those that we meet. Liana was next at 10 and then 8-year-old Sienna. Mum, oh, Dad, <laughs> Mum's the fave, 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 favourite. about that? <laughs> Their two younger brothers were there as well, along with a bunch of their first and second cousins, including an 11-year-old girl called Veronique. It was after 7 o'clock, but it was still daylight, so Danny Abdullah, their dad, sent the kids out for ice cream at the shop down the road. And I told them, mate, just go for a walk, a little walk, stay together. You guys should be OK. Give them a little bit of independence. So off they went, seven of the kids. Around the same moment, just a few kilometres away, a 29-year-old man called Samuel Davidson was getting into his ute with a friend. They were also planning a quick trip to the shops. Except when they got in the car, they were both drunk and high. They were drinking beers and rum and they'd done coke and MDMA. It was a five-kilometre round trip to the local servo. They made it there, but on the way back, they get cocky. Samuel runs a red line. 
They're speeding around 130 kilometres per hour in a 50 zone. They overtake the woman in a Volkswagen and flip her the bird. Two minutes later, Samuel Davidson veers out of control and the ute mounts the footpath. This morning I woke up and I've lost three kids. At the wheel, an allegedly drunk driver after his children were among in an instant in a horrific incident in Sydney's northwest. The first crews arrived on scene, they were confronted with um, with carnage. I was a crime reporter at the time, so my crew and I went to Oatlands the next morning. It was a huge story. We knew we'd be here all week. It was raining when we arrived for the second day, and by then, hundreds of mourners had come down. There was a shrine of flowers and tributes that stretched 30 metres along the footpath. Four small altars had also appeared, each with a small statue of the Virgin Mary. And the mourners were praying. Eventually, a woman with very long black hair arrived. I knew instantly she was their mother. She walked along the broken fence and she reached for it with both hands and rested her head on it in tears. Then she would go to the shrine that was for the next child and she would sob and cry and laugh and then pull herself back together again and take three or four more steps and then go to the next one. And it was so hard to watch because she was, she was just, ah, oh yeah, she just lost three of her kids. A lot of close friends and other family members were there trying to comprehend the whole thing. They would sit in the dirt where the kids passed away. They would scream and cry. I think they want us to cut, guys. I think it was hard because uh, we had the cameras there to capture people in the moment. We never expect that, you know, you know, people can share their grief and sometimes people find that that helps them, but we never expect them to. And so when somebody said that the mum wanted to speak, I was like, oh, there's no way. I assumed that because she was coming towards us, that she had a message that she wanted to get out there. She's very sure she wants to. Um, Layla, how, what would you like to say about your beautiful children? Thank you so much. Danny and myself were blessed to have six kids. We had Anthony, Angelina, Liana, Sienna, Alex and Michael. We love our kids so much. Oh, I can feel them hugging me. We try to focus on their spiritual side more than anything. She tells us about her faith, praying, and how she believed that they were in heaven, a belief in eternal life, that they're in a better place. But I didn't think they're going to take them away from me too soon. So one thing, I know nothing happened unless God wants it to happen. And then 
she says something extraordinary. Another guy, he was drunk, driving on the streets. Right now, I can't hate him. And I don't want to see him. I don't hate him. I think in my heart, I forgive him. I think in my heart, I forgive him. Just two days after half of her children were killed, Layla forgives him. So many times I've had this conversation with people, others just say, I couldn't do it, I couldn't forgive him. I don't know how she's done it. It's remarkable. I could not understand it. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. What happens to all that anger and resentment? Does it just disappear when they forgive him? I don't know how to answer that. So this is, and this ties into the philosophical disagreement about what forgiveness is, because... This is Luke Russell. Yeah, so I'm Associate Professor of Philosophy at the University of Sydney. And I do research in moral philosophy. Luke has spent years pondering the moral rights and wrongs of subjects like forgiving. Virtue and vice and evil. And all the areas in between. So I wanted to know, what is it to forgive? Turns out there's no one answer. Is that a superpower? How do you describe this? Yeah, so the Abdullah case is a terrible tragedy. And each of us hopes that this will never happen to us. Um, people's emotional responses to these kind of tragedies and their emotional responses to atrocities are quite varied. And in many cases, the victims or the surviving family members feel anger, resentment and rage and hatred towards the perpetrators. Uh, and then there are other cases in which victims or the families of victims uh, report lacking anger. They think that's not the right way to respond or not the best way to respond. And in some of those cases, they also say that they've forgiven. But Luke says for many, the benefits of forgiving outweigh the sense of feeling wronged. So that kind of uh, justification of forgiving, philosophers call a prudential justification. Right? It's justification in terms of the benefits that flow to you, the forgiver. Yeah, I think we always see forgiveness as an exchange, like I'm going to give you forgiveness, rather than seeing it as just like an inward like, forgiveness is what I'm giving myself, in a way. There's a lot of disagreement about that, and that's a lovely way to phrase it, because there are some philosophers who think um, that that kind of prudential way of thinking about forgiveness, I ought to forgive because this is how I heal myself, has got the wrong kind of focus. And they think, as you say, that forgiving is more of an interaction between victim and perpetrator. So we're in this conundrum, right? What is forgiveness? And a lot of the 
traditional talk about forgiveness is influenced by religious sources. Religion and faith are obviously a powerful and driving force of forgiveness for the Abdullahs. Layla told me in her lifetime practising Catholicism, she was taught how to forgive and she forgave every day, even for the smallest transgressions. She told me she felt like it was all a rehearsal leading up to this one huge act of forgiveness. A lot of people were asking, Layla, why do you forgive? How do you forgive? I didn't wake up and said, oh, he killed my kids, I want to forgive him. It's something you practice on your daily life, whether you forgive your mother, your father, your husband, your kids. And when you are put in a tough position like our one, it magnifies who you are as a person. So if you were always forgiving, then you were able to forgive. But many haven't spent years practising forgiveness and religion isn't central to everyone's life. When disaster strikes, is faith the only way to forgive? Oh, I'm Bronco, Bronco Hawang. In September 2018, Bronco was just days away from becoming a new dad. His wife Catherine was heavily pregnant with twin boys. We agreed on names as well. So the baby on the right was Roman and the baby on the left more quiet, much more reserved. Um, so Archer. His 17-year-old sister Belinda was visiting the couple who had been preparing a room for the babies. Things were at least 90% finished. And yeah, I wanted my sister to come see, um, come see where I was going to raise these kids for at least a year. My mum called wanting my sister to come home. Belinda had her learner's permit, so Bronco let her drive home and Catherine jumped in behind her in the back seat. She was taking her time, being very careful, waited till there was no more cars. Then she went. I was leaning back, holding my wife's hand, and all of a sudden, black. Bronco doesn't remember the moment of impact when a drunk and drug-affected driver named Richard Moananu veered across the road and smashed into their car. Bronco woke up in hospital about a week later. And I was saying, where am I? Where am I? What's going on? And the nurse, this I remember clearly, the nurse saying to me, Bronco, you were in a very terrible accident. And then I kept asking, where's Belinda? Where's Catherine? What's going on? And that's when she was stroking my arm and she was saying, unfortunately, they didn't make it. Belinda, Catherine, Roman and Archer were killed instantly on impact. Moananu was sentenced to 15 years prison for the deaths of Catherine and Belinda and for the injuries he caused Bronco. But the unborn boys weren't recognised under the law. Despite this, in court, like the Abdullah family, Bronco also made the extraordinary decision to forgive the driver. So he could let go of anger. But to me, forgiving to keep living, being, being angry all the time, that's tiring. I've got to sit there, wake up and think about how to hurt the guy. <laughs> no, it, it, it's tiring, but there's a whole life to live. Yes, he made a mistake. All humans make mistakes in whatever form, level. How do I now carry forth to come to peace?
On one hand, Bronco is forgiving to move on, but he says he still burns with regret, and not just for Richard's actions, but his own. Yes, okay, the end result was Richard caused the accident, but the other half of, of that was I chose to tell my family to get in the car at that particular time. I chose to tell them to go that particular way. I think they call that survivor's guilt. I haven't completely forgiven myself. Whether other people see that as right, wrong, or like, you know, Bronco don't do that. That's something for me that I got to live with. It seems obvious that the blame for the crash in Oatlands and the crash that killed Bronco's family lies squarely at the feet of the two drivers. They thought so too. During the legal proceedings for both incidents, the drivers expressed extreme remorse and both pleaded guilty. Maybe that makes them easier to forgive. But not all perpetrators take the blame and plenty don't even think they did anything wrong. So if you aren't sorry, can you still be forgiven? Or are some things too big to forgive? Here's Luke again. So there are two kind of moral ideals in play here. One is the ideal of unconditional forgiveness. It's always good to forgive. And then the competing moral ideal is deserved forgiveness. It's the idea that forgiveness is good only when it's given to a wrongdoer who is fully repentant and apologetic. If you think about appropriate responses to atrocities, for example, appropriate responses to, say, the Holocaust, there are thinkers on either side of that disagreement. Some of them think that unconditional forgiveness is fantastic and it's the way to heal, for victims to heal themselves, right? and it's what all of us should aspire to. And there are victims of atrocities who think forgiveness is totally inappropriate. And what we ought to do is call for justice and maintain the rage and never give up on that kind of outrage and resistance towards the atrocity that was committed. We're not talking about genocide or war crimes, but we are discussing lives and communities that have been ripped apart and laws that were broken, which means, for better or worse, the legal system comes into play. It's easy to understand how forgiveness might hinge on a just outcome in the courts. In Danny Abdullah's victim impact statement, read aloud in court before Sam Davidson was sentenced, he said he forgave him. He added, though, without justice, there is no forgiveness. There is only anarchy. Layla also forgave but she wanted justice too. I think in my heart I forgive him, but I want the court to, to be fair, right? It's all about fairness. So I'm not going to hate him, because that's not who we are, and that's not what our religious tell us. I forgive him, but I want it to be fair. When Sam Davidson was sentenced, the judge spent three hours reading out his crimes gruesome injuries he Suffered caused to the kids and the devastating impact it's had on everyone involved. Children and the injury to those that survived. I do not accept that he acted on impulse when he chose to drive, and I do not accept that he acted on impulse when he chose to drive. The extent of the tragedy that I impose consists of an on-parole period of 21 years, commencing on the 1st of February 2020, 
with a head sentence of 28 years. The punishment for the deaths of four children is a long time behind bars, but the pain the families feel will be forever. Forgiving him lasts for a lifetime, not just his sentence. Do you think you, in that situation, if a child you knew was killed by a driver driving under the influence of drugs and alcohol, knowing what you know about forgiveness, could you do it? So I don't have children myself. Um, I have lots of nieces and nephews. I can try to imagine myself into that situation. And I think it's easy for us to tell stories about what we would do, but we don't really know until we're put in that situation. I know that I would absolutely struggle with an attempt to forgive. I don't know whether I would be able to succeed in getting rid of anger and resentment towards the perpetrator. The Abdullah and Veronique's family, the Sakers, have made it their primary goal to spread the message of forgiveness, launching the Four Angels I Forgive Day, a national day to encourage forgiveness every year on the anniversary of their deaths. But it's in their home where, while trying to interview Danny and Layla ahead of the launch, that it becomes so clear why they can forgive. They think they're okay. Sorry, can you just... Sorry. Alex, Michael, quiet. Sorry. That's okay. Close the door and, and don't talk, because we're on TV. <laughs> oh, his little face. <laughs> okay. Close the door. I've lost Anthony, Angelina, Sienna. Whether I forgive him or I don't, it's not going to bring back my kids. That's why we chose to forgive him, so we can live a peaceful life with Liana, Alex and Michael and allow them to move forward in their life. Kimberly Pratt with that story. Produced and edited by Sydney Peed. I'm Narelda Jacobs. Thanks for listening. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Mm.